How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yes, snow is coming down. Uh, and visibility is not amazing. So um, here it started to snow and I can barely see across the street. Wow, we've still got nothing. This, okay. there, there must be some kind of bubble over mission. <laughs> You're the little pocket. Yeah, that- I guess. It just needs you to get home to watch the game, and then it can start out <laughs> in that part I'm, of town. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, so just be careful out there. And uh, again, as you see any road conditions that we should know about, feel free to let us know. Okay, uh, so this next story is a tough one, um, and it takes us to Arizona. It's about a wrongful death lawsuit that the father of a nine-year-old boy who went to a group home has filed. And it's all because, and and I'm, I mean, the specifics on this story, I'm interested in hearing because the child was insulin dependent. And for some reason, they allowed him to refuse his own insulin. And that's what led to his death. Under what circumstances do you listen to a nine-year-old who says, I don't want to take my medicine? I think that's the problem. Yeah. I think that's the, I th- hence, hence the lawsuit. Um, and... Feel free to weigh in here. If you, this was at a group home, but it could have been at a summer camp. I mean, it could have been at anything where you don't have as much control over your kids taking their meds. School. School. I mean, if regardless of what the medication is, especially if it's something they're dependent on, I get a kid not wanting to take their meds. What do you do if the kid doesn't want to do it? And what instructions do you give to the facility to make sure they do it anyway? So this was uh, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, uh, December 23rd, 2022. Jacob Blodgett, that's when he died of complications from diabetes at the time. He was in the custody of the Arizona Department of Child Safety. Uh, The state then placed him with Sunshine Residential Homes, which is a group home for children in Glendale. Um, The problem here is that his dad had been accused of drug possession and arrested. And that's why he went into state custody in the first place. So... They were so so at some point he was allowed to refuse the insulin that he is dependent on. When asked why Jacob was allowed to refuse his insulin, the director of Sunshine Residential Homes told an investigator they had a policy not to force medicate any of the children under their care, according to an incident report. The attorney, one of the many attorneys involved in this lawsuit, said the group home essentially shirked its responsibility to care for the child. What do you do? I assume insulin needed to be an injection. Probably. Is the way I'm taking this. And the kid didn't want the shots. And it's scary maybe, you know, and it's not dad. It's it's somebody else. What do you do? The word forcibly is right. How do you force, I mean, do you hold the kid down and give him the injection anyway? 
That's scary. And it's, when they say force Medicaid, I mean, that, that term... It's a lovely little buzz term to use because it it tries to make you into the good guy. We're not going to force medicate people here, no. But there's a difference between taking your pain meds after a fall or something like that and taking something that is vital for you to stay alive. That's a wide gulf to just say, "Oh, we're not going to force medicate anybody." I yeah, that I if, if they can rely on that policy all they want, I don't think that policy is going to absolve them of any responsibility here. They've got if you're running a group home for children and you don't know that a child with diabetes could die if they don't get that, then you shouldn't be running a group home for kids. There also are problems here it sounds like in why this child was in this group home. There are accusations that the state didn't do enough to contact a member of the family to place him with. And there's a grandmother uh, named Cheryl who says the state never reached out to her about caring for her grandson. And she could have. And then, you know, another way why this wouldn't have happened. She wasn't contacted until the day before Jacob died when he was brain dead. And at that point, there was nothing that she could do. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that nobody reached out to any family, it's just unforgivable. So clearly, there was a lot of responsibility here to go around, and there was a lot that was not met. But I think it all has to go to the staff of that group home and say, what are you doing? Just saying, okay, well, we're not going to force him. You, <laughs> it's not forcing. It's making sure he stays alive. And if you can't handle that, then don't ever let any kid who has diabetes stay in that group home. Yeah, I don't. Um, he had an insulin pump. So I don't understand how this could happen. I don't um, I don't know enough. Of, if you know more about how insulin pumps work, let me know. Part of having an insulin pump is that it should do it automatically. Mm-hmm. It, it should regulate. It should test your body and kind of know. Nonetheless, this facility was fully aware of him being insulin dependent. And it also, there's a lengthy timeline to this, but where he started to show symptoms of having problems and then it it evolved slowly and there would have been multiple occasions for this facility to have intervened and didn't. Right. Well, and not only did they know that he was diabetic and not only did they know that it was bad enough that, that he had the insulin pump, that it was serious enough a condition that he had the insulin pump, they knew when he started to go into distress. Why? Because the morning of December 21st, an employee called 911 because he was, quote, having a diabetic episode. They knew what was going on. And they still didn't do anything about it. When they admitted him to the hospital, he was vomiting and in a, quote, altered mental state, according to the complaint against them. 913-586-7798. Sounds like dad's got a pretty good case. Dawn is in Kansas City and may have some insight into this. Hi, Dawn. Hey, how are you? I have a son who's special needs. He's in a group home. And I do know that uh, they do have a lot of legal things that they have to go through all over the country with group homes and even ISLs. So what I also know is a lot of times the staff in charge of the group homes at any moment don't always pay attention. Um, Elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, what, What kind of things have you seen that they're not paying attention to? For instance, in my particular son's case, he's at a really nice group home, but one of his his uh, housemates, she has um, seizures. And there's many times when they're not checking on her like they should, 
and she will be into in a seizure mode. So that's where the bitterly cold um, Arctic air mass still spilling in here in Kansas City. Sorry, that was <laughs> Sam. Steve, you really wanted to know what the weather was. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dawn. Continue. Uh, anyway, so there is times when they're not paying attention, or it could be training issues because you know at any moment people call off. They don't know the situation, but a lot of times it's just because they're simply not paying attention. Wow, that's that's oh, man. frightening. Yeah, so when you have a situation like that, um, there's a due process that has to go through, and it's a legal proceeding through the state um, that manages these. And we have a lot of people in Missouri that are uh, CD, and they are put in group homes or ISLs for various reasons. But you have to go, if you are in a position where you have to, say, hold someone down to give them their medicine, it has to go through a due process. So I feel like it's a, a fail, fail on all sides, really. Yeah, absolutely. Don't thank you. Thanks for the insight. I, yeah, I, I mean, going through the legal process is fine until you get to the point where life is in, in immediate danger. Yeah. I, again, um, so I'm confused about how with an insulin pump, he was able to refuse his insulin. Somebody pointed out what I suspected was you still have to fill it. Yeah. So did it run out and he refused it to be refilled? And I would think that's the kind of thing that doesn't happen in a group home. That would, wouldn't that happen at a doctor's office? In a medical setting? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if those are things that you can refill on your own. I mean, the, the only person that I knew that was insulin-dependent diabetic, he did injections. He, he had syringes with him yeah. all the time, had a little kit with him. That was My dad was insulin-dependent, same thing. Yeah. Injections so, multiple times a day. I don't know anything about the insulin pumps, but, you know, I figure if he was responsible enough to fill the syringes out of the, out of the ampule or whatever, it is and uh and all of that that they would probably although with a nine-year-old i mean the other question is why would he refuse that why would a nine-year-old refuse that but then again why would a nine-year-old do anything especially with the pump already being there yeah it's not like he's being um needled injected again he's not he's not being given another shot they just got to refill the pump why would he refuse that unless this is a nine-year-old that's been through a lot. I don't know where mom is, but mom isn't mentioned anywhere. But now he's in state custody because dad's up on drug charges. Mm-hmm. So this might just be an act of acting out of just of defiance. Because he doesn't to understand. Your point, right, right. And and there's nothing within his control. And that's within, within his control to fight. Yeah. Unfortunately, that makes sense. But that's why we don't let nine-year-olds rule the world. And know that if you run a group home, know that kids are going to get defiant about stuff like that. And we talk about this in classrooms. If you're a teacher, you've got to know how to deal with a a fight that breaks out in your classroom. And you've got to, you are taught that. I mean, we take classroom management classes for a reason so that you know how to, how to handle that. I don't like the idea, you know, of sedating a kid to give him his medicine, but you got to do what you got to do. Well, it sounds like by the time they brought him to the hospital, he wouldn't have had to be sedated or held down. That that he, you know, if he was in what they call an altered state of mind, then that seems like that it shouldn't have been that much of a problem. Right. If you want to get in again, if if you've had experience with uh, some of these state-run facilities, it it scares me to death. 
you are handing over care for your child to strangers and they're always understaffed and you there's only so much that you can keep track of with them being there feel free to get in here all right uh we will take a break here still to come this hour we'll tell you what is being banned from those electronic message signs on highways that and a lot more to come here on kmbz Phone number here, 913-586-7798. We'll get to your calls here in just a sec. Uh, but for those who are just joining us and missed the beginning of this story, a wrongful death lawsuit has been filed in Arizona uh, because you have a nine-year-old boy named Jacob who is in state custody, uh, Arizona Department of Child Safety, and had been put into Sunshine Residential Homes. He was insulin dependent and somehow was able to refuse his insulin and ultimately died of complications from type one diabetes. So what happens now? Well, what happens now obviously is the lawsuit, but everybody seems to be pointing fingers at everybody else. And the group home in question refuses to take responsibility saying we have a policy that says we don't forcibly medicate anybody. But we're talking about a nine-year-old who is now gone. We'll go to the phones and bring in Amy in Kansas City. Hi, Amy. Hi. What's on your mind? Well, I was just calling in because my son is 12, and he's been type 1 since he was 18 months old. And I just wanted to give a little clarity about um, the insulin pump and about how that works. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it does automatically bolus, um, which means give insulin throughout the day, um, just like little drips throughout the day to keep the blood sugar consistent. However, everything that a person eats, they need to then give themselves insulin for. So they count their carbs and then they input that into the pump. It does the math for them and then delivers it, but it doesn't automatically know what you eat. Okay. All right. So, but does it monitor your blood sugar? No, not necessarily. There are some pumps on the market now that do work with a sensor, a continuous glucose monitor, but not necessarily. Gotcha. Okay. And so when it says he refused his insulin, what what does that mean probably happened there? Um, It probably means that he was eating and not giving himself insulin. um, And I don't understand why the facility thought that it was okay for him to just not get it. Because like you said, it is a life-saving medication. It's a hormone. Um, It's something that they need. Um, so that their blood sugar doesn't get too high because what I, from what I understand from the story, he was already um, in, an, in a medical emergency called DKA, diabetic, diabetic ketoacidosis, yep. um, mm-hmm. which is where their blood sugar is just way too high. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's even in the story. We hadn't gotten to that, but yeah, yeah. you obviously know a lot more about it and jumped ahead. So, Amy, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for the information. You're welcome. Thanks, Amy. Here's the thing. If this facility had that policy of not forcing, not force medicating, then, um, because it's the facility that has the contract with the state, then they need to tell the state that. The state needs to know how insulin dependent he is, and this facility needs to tell the state, we don't do that. If 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 there comes a point where he needs the medication and he won't take it, here's our policy of not forcing it. And the state needs to place him with somebody that will. My guess is, the facility didn't actually have that policy. They just, they goofed somewhere. Yeah. And now they've got to come up with an excuse that's going to keep them from getting sued, which obviously it won't. We'll go back to it and bring in Karen and Liberty next. Hi, Karen. Hi. I just also wanted to um, clarify on the insulin pump. 
my son has worn one for 15 years. And um, with his pump, it's external. So every three days, you have to change the site. And oh. when you do that, it's a long needle. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it is, he would still have to. It punctures with a long needle, then you pull the needle out, and there's a port that um, it gets the insulin to where it needs to be. So he still would have to um, get poked with a needle, and that could be why he didn't want to do it. And you've got to move it every three days? You should. Wow. You should if you're doing it properly because it can become, you know, kind of sore and nasty. Sure. You know? um, forgive my ignorance on this. C- can you d- accomplish that same thing with a permanent port, like a chemo port? I have never heard of that, but like I said, he's been on it for like 15 years. You're used to it and by he's now, He's always yeah. had the same type. There may be updated ones, but that is how his works, and I know several people that is how theirs works as well. I'm gotcha. also insulin dependent, and I, um, I just still use injections. Just simpler? For me, yeah. since I'm a woman, I carry a purse. I can keep the needle and the bottle in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but everything else uh, the previous caller said is correct. Okay. They do have to punch in with our carbs, and then it does the math for them. And sometimes maybe he wasn't doing that, or maybe he didn't want um, the the needle in his arm. Got it. All right. Hey, Karen. Leg or stomach. <laughs> right. Yeah. If it was at that three day period and he had to move it. All right. Karen, thank you. Um, you know, again, more information coming in. Just no experience with it. So he's not the first kid to not like needles. Right. I mean, if that's the I didn't like needles as a kid. If he's um, this is incredibly frustrating because, again, I assume this is on a medical facility, but they're, they're going after this residential facility. How do you deal with other kids? that need shots or that need vaccinations and don't like needles. What do you, do you just say, okay, you're the boss. Do you really want to open up the vaccination thing again? No, (laughs) I really don't. No. All right. Nope. Let's let's go to D and KCMO instead. Hello, D. Hi. Um, I'm a nurse, but also my husband's been diabetic for years, uh, 30 years. And um, he uses an external insulin pump like the pod is what his type is and as a 60 year old man he hates doing it it is it's a painful to change the port site okay so i completely understand the kid but still the adults have to take over yeah yeah i mean i have to get in there and tell him it's time (laughs) Um, (laughs) it doesn't sound like he's happy about it now no it runs out of insulin um, is is one of the reasons. Besides, it's hard on the skin. Yeah, it completely runs out of insulin, and you got to have it. Gotcha. So yeah, huh. the, the adult has to be an adult here. You got it. Thank you, D. Appreciate yeah. it. Yes, the adult has to be the adult. And good luck dealing with your husband. I'm glad you're the adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's bad enough when we don't want to do that stuff. Right. It's again, I just ask, what do you do when kids don't want to do other things? When they don't want to go to bed? Yeah. What do you do? We don't force bedtime around here. Yeah, I mean, it's that silly, but obviously that's not a life and death thing where this clearly was.
Yeah. Uh, if you have further thoughts on this, feel free to get in here. Uh, again, coming up, we will get to what the feds are banning from some of these electronic signs over highways. We'll get to that and more next year on KMBZ. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, the roads are getting slick. Uh, Somebody just texted and said, Shawnee Mission Parkway is getting extremely slick. Everything in Shawnee right now is sleet. It is, it's not snowing hard here. It's little flakes, but it's coming down fast. Yeah. Which is making visibility bad. It's And it's getting a lot worse here. Um, yeah, we're, we, it just started snowing maybe 10 minutes ago, and it was so fine you could barely see it. I mean, you had to look out the window some to see it, but it's starting to really come down now. Not surprising that Shawnee Mission Parkway just outside our window here is having some problems. So watch yourself. Be careful. And let us know what you're seeing, if you can do so safely, and we'll certainly pass that along. The U.S. Federal Highway Administration has a new 1,100-page manual that came out last month, and it has new rules that spell out signs and other traffic control devices and how they are regulating. States now have two years to implement this massive manual, and among the things that they are taking away, uh, overhead electronic signs with obscure meanings, References to pop culture or those intended to be funny will be banned in 2026 because they can be misunderstood or distracting to drivers. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You shall not have fun at any time under any circumstances. Oh, come on. Lighten up, guys. (laughs) You're the highway department. Relax. How does laughing at something on a highway sign how is that distracting? It isn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I mean, they, they reference a couple in here, and I remember when this happened. The Massachusetts uh, Highway Division, uh, about three years ago, came up with this idea of having a whole bunch of like references to Bostonians speak on the road signs. So they had one that said, use your blinker. And blinker was spelled B-L-I-N-K-A-H. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. okay. Now, if if you really wanted to, to dig deeply into that and say, okay, what if you what if you're a recent immigrant and you just got to this country, you haven't spoken English, you don't know anything about Boston, you don't know the reference, and you see that sign and you say, what does that? What's a blink car? I don't know oh what that gosh. is. Okay, fine, but I think that dude would be fine. You know, it, that sign's not vital anyway. It's not distracting. No, it might be offensive. 
but it's not <laughs> distracting. It's, it's is this like about avoiding legal action? Probably. Is that what this is about? Somebody yeah. would sue over that? Yeah. Uh-huh. This uh, isn't about your inability to drive cuz because of something on a sign. Yeah. I, I it, it, there are people who are so completely humorless that this is all they can think of to do is like I see someone having fun. I must put a stop to this right away. Who in the 1100 page document thought I, I don't know how long how often they update this. I'm going to guess every five to 10 years, maybe Uh because they have two years to implement it. So I'm going to guess who was the person in the boardroom that said, I know what we need to add. Quash fun. Yes. I yeah, I don't know. But uh, there are a couple of them that I've seen. There are signs on I-70 when you're leaving here towards St. Louis that should just say warning you're headed towards St. Louis, but they, <laughs> they, you know, they, they've put humorous things up. Um, one of them, and I can't remember what it said, but it was a reference to Christmas because I happened to be going over there uh, around last Christmas. And th- there was a sign that, you know, that mentioned the holidays or something like that. And it was like, get home safe for the holidays, drive safely or wear your seatbelt or something along those lines. It wasn't just seatbelts are, you know, the law. It wasn't something like that, but it was just a way for them to kind of break up the monotony. Nope. No more. Not allowed. No more. And by the way, I-70 seriously needs to break up the monotony. I don't know what we need (laughs) down that road, but Again, I always take Route 36, and I think it's (laughs) even worse. So, um, And then while we have a couple of minutes, let's talk about the hovercraft, speaking of I want to ride on a hovercraft. I I saw this article this morning, and it's it's not much of an article. I mean, it was just really an excuse to talk about hovercrafts. But but the, the whole point of the article is that the problems that hovercraft have which are numerous. I mean, they're extremely loud. They're expensive to operate. And so you might think, okay, well, why does anybody ever use them then? Because there's really no more convenient way to do things like get across the English Channel. Or at least there wasn't until they put the channel in, and, and now you can do that. But if if you're going from ground over a little bit of water to other ground, the easiest way to do that is on a, uh, on a hovercraft. And I have been fascinated by them since I had a Matchbox. Believe it or not, Matchbox cars, the little Matchbox cars, they had a hovercraft. Uh Can we talk about what a hovercraft is for those who don't know? It's a big, giant floating platform. So what happens is you have a thing that looks kind of like a boat on top. And then underneath, it's a big skirt that goes all the way around the bottom of it. And you have fans on the bottom of of that part that looks like a boat that blows the below air straight down. And it fills up that skirt so it kind of looks puffy on the outside. And then you have uh, two uh, propellers on the back that propel you forward. And you can go over absolutely anything. You can't get stuck in a hovercraft. So you can take one and take it across a lake because you're floating on that cushion of air the entire way. So it doesn't really matter what's underneath you. The other major advantage that they have is it's a great way to get across a sensitive ecosystem without screwing it up. You don't leave tire tracks. You don't touch the water. You don't touch land. It's just this air over top of it. So you don't have to worry about killing anything or, you know, damaging fragile ecosystems. But what they're saying now is that you can operate them a lot more like a drone. Okay. Where instead of using jet engines to make that cushion of air fill up, you can do it with electric motors. So okay. they're having a moment where it's kind of cheap to do. But I've never had the opportunity to ride on one. I've seen them, and they go unbelievably fast for their size. 
you think about a ferry boat going, you know, five or six knots, and then you see one of these things just blow by it doing 60 over top of water, and it's just the coolest looking thing in the world. Are they legal here, I assume? Are yeah. They, can you... They're, they're okay. just not many of them. They didn't build many. Okay. I'm trying to think. Like, that sounds like a Florida thing. <laughs> yeah. Like right? the airboats like, is what I'm picturing <laughs> yes. that you can take in Florida. Yeah, the swampers. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you can put a whole lot more people and cargo and things like that on top of them. You can use them like a ferry boat. Huh. All right. Well, hopefully at some point you will get your chance. One day. To be able to go and do it. All right. Oh, tell us about the interview. Yeah, that we are going to have coming up. Uh, Dusty Slade, Dusty, an incredibly funny guy. Uh, he's got a Netflix special that is debuting tomorrow. It's called Working Man. You may, if you know Dusty Slade, you probably know him not only from his own stand-up. He did uh, a couple of seasons on the Netflix stand-up comedy competition show, and uh, he's also on Nate Bargatze's podcast. There's four comics on there. He's one of them. He's the guy with the long hair, the trucker hat, and the big oversized glasses. If that helps you out, that's Dusty Slay, uh, and he's going to join us in just a little bit to talk about that upcoming Netflix special. So we'll have that for you. Again, keep keep your texts coming in. Let us know what you're seeing on the roads, and we'll continue to follow what's going on with the snow. We'll be back here in just a couple of minutes on KMBZ. 98.1 KMBZ, John Grayson here with you, and very pleased to bring in our next guest on the broadcast. You know him from Nate Bargatze's podcast, Nate Land. You know him from all kinds of stand-up specials on Netflix, a brand new one, as a matter of fact, that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, co-working man. Dusty Slay, welcome back. How's everything going? All right. We're having a good time. Everything's so good. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, and I'm I'm glad you told us that we're having a good time. That's that's very very important. We got a, a that's whole, what I did. Absolutely, we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Tell us a little bit about the new special and making this one. You shot this one in, in back home in Tennessee, yeah? Yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee. I finally got to you know film a special in a place that I wanted to film. I mean, I love New York, I love LA, but it's like that's not where I do most of my comedy. So. Every time I get to film something, I end up having to fly to New York or L.A. And I finally, I filmed this one myself, and I got to do it in a place I wanted to do it in. Um, and I, uh, it's so good. It's, it's an hour of comedy that I love. It's shot the way I want it to be shot. We brought in a great director, and it looks so good. Uh, you know, it's like so often when you film something, by the time it's all said and done, you're like, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. Yeah. But this special is everything I wanted to do is there, and I'm so pumped for people to see it. I love stand-up comedy. As an audience member, whether it's in a giant theater or whether it's in a small club, I just absolutely love it. It's like the purest form of the comedic act. And yet, when you're filming something like that, when you're on stage, tell us, is that different at all? I mean, does it feel different when you're filming something rather than just doing stand-up that's just between you and that audience that night? Yeah, it's a little different, um, but but in this type of situation, it's like if I'm filming, say, you know, The Tonight Show, it's like you get one shot, you got five minutes, Yeah, it's like, let's go. Um, but with this, it's like, you know, this is my special, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm roughly trying to film an hour, but it doesn't have to be exactly an hour, uh, and, you know, if something does go wrong, I'm going to film it two times that night, so it's like... If something goes wrong in this one, but it doesn't go wrong in the next one, then we just use the next one. And the great thing is I did the first, I did the first show and I was like, this is perfect. Uh, this went great. I can use this one. I don't even have to worry about the next one. So the next one, you just get to relax and have fun and, and it feels a bit more like a real show. Uh, and then, you know, you use a little bit of each, uh, of each 
show that you did, yeah. you know, you get to put together something in a way because, you know, I'm all about the live show. That's what I love. I love the live show where something might happen and somebody yells out or some uh, bottle gets dropped on the floor. I love all those aspects of a live show. But I thought, hey, I'm putting together a special. Let's get people the best possible product. It's interesting to hear you say that about those moments when somebody knocks over a glass or whatever, somebody yells out from the audience. I know comics who hate that, who absolutely can't stand it when like everything is scripted so down to the letter that it really can throw them. So that's something you look forward to. You like that kind of chaos. Yeah, I mean, I've done comedy clubs for so long that I do like that. I mean, there, you know, there's times when I don't like it. I mean, there's things that people can yell out that can be really annoying to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's like that's all part of it, you know. Uh, even in the special, at some point, someone yelled out, even though we're like, we say, you know, we say, hey, this is a recording. Don't yell out. Don't do things like that. Somebody did yell out and uh, and we left it in. I had a good I had a good response for it and we left it in. And it's a lot of fun. And I don't you know, I'm not a crowd work guy. Yeah. I don't want to do crowd work. Right. So um, but it, it is fun to have a little live show aspect. Now, I want to go back into the background a little bit, because I know you talk a lot about this in your comedy. You actually did grow up in a trailer park. And as a one-time trailer resident myself, I can sympathize. I can empathize. I'm right there with you. But tell me what you think your upbringing brings to comedy. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, I had divorced parents, right? So it's like so much of uh, the country, at least my generation, so many of us are all divorced that's what I think is interesting. You brought up the Nate Land podcast. I do that with uh, three other comics, Nate Bargatze, Aaron Weber, Brian Bates. And I was just thinking about the other day, I was like, they, all of their parents stayed married. And I thought, what an anomaly in the world today. It seems like there's so much divorce. But I just think a lot of people relate to me in that sense because uh, I grew up with divorced parents. Me and my mom lived in a trailer. I have two older sisters where we have the same mom, different dad. I have a younger sister where we have the same dad, different mom. So my, my, you know, my younger sister is not related to my older sister. Um, and I just think there's a lot of that kind of broken family stuff out here today that, you know, there's a lot of sadness in it, but I think there's a lot of comedy in there too. And, and, and I just try to find that stuff. Yeah, it's like, what's the old line? Comedy is tragedy plus time, right? You know, the, the farther yeah. away you get from it, the funnier it gets because you can see those sorts of comedic aspects to it. Yeah, you know, and once in a while I'll be on stage and I'll try to riff about some family thing and it won't get a laugh and I'll go, okay, all right, too sad. I've not figured out how to write this yet. <laughs> right, put that one away for a while and come back to it, yeah. The the podcast thing is something else because, you know, now we've got three different aspects of it. We've got the you relating to an audience in front of you. We've got you relating to an audience and a camera. But when it's just you and a microphone, I mean, this, this is my home. That's where I've been for the last 30-some-odd years. So it, it's got to also be a little bit different when – you're doing a show like that for an audience that's not going to see you. Talk a little bit about that. And, and do you adjust any, or is it just you and the guys sitting around and having a good time? Well, you know, I do two podcasts, and I do that one with those guys. And, and being the four of us, being all comedians, yeah, we, we basically just take topics, and, you know, we just kind of talk and laugh and make jokes. Uh, it will get a little personal sometimes because, you know, something that we'll be talking about relates to something in my life or something in their lives. But my own personal podcast, the We're Having a Good Time podcast, 
you know, uh, it's me and my wife that do it, but for a lot of time, it was just me that did it. And I, you know, so it, it can get very personal because I'm like, for an hour, I'm just talking and I get, you know, I get more into my personal life and uh, growing up and my personal life now. And I talk about having kids and stuff. And it's like, I like that too. I mean, it's not always so jokey, uh, but that's what I always say. It's like, if you want a lot of jokes, come to a comedy show because I'm nonstop jokes for an hour when I'm doing stand up. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, it's hard to write an act like that every year, much less every week. When you talk about talking for an hour, that's something you say to most people, and they go white. It's like, what do you mean I have to talk for an hour? I I can't do that. You know, I you tell people that ten minutes is a long time, and then have them try and talk for that long. So, talk a little bit about developing that skill and where that came from. Have you always had that just that ability to sit down in front of a mic and go? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, you know, obviously been developed. I mean, I tried doing like an internet radio show with a guy at the college of Charleston when I lived there way back in the day. And I'm like, that can be, you know, I was like, wow, all right. Maybe I'm not quite ready for that, but I've always been a talker. I mean, my whole life growing up, I mean, I always got in trouble for talking. I mean, I was never a bad kid, but I was always a talker. Yep. And I just could not stop talking. I love talking. I love laughing. I'm like, I'm one of those guys that's like, you know, in church or in school, when you're not supposed to laugh, it just, it just builds up in me. And it's almost like I just can't hold it in. It just, it just requires talking. It's just constant talking where you're always trying to sell somebody something. And I don't know that I'm necessarily trying to sell now, but here I am on a radio show trying to get people to watch my Netflix special. <laughs> there it is. And that Netflix special, again, is working, man. Dusty Slay is here with us doing a little talking about it. And and just you know, the world of comedy. The other thing that I thought was fascinating, because I love this room, it was one of the first places that I ever went to when I was in Nashville. I got a backstage tour of the Opry. And you have the designation of being the youngest comedian ever to take that stage at the Opry. And I know, I mean, there's there's a lot that won't intimidate somebody who's used to getting out in front of a crowd. But talk about that first time walking out and seeing that circle on the stage and, and all of the rest of it, just having that that building around you. Well, you know, the funny thing is now I've gotten to do the Opry like 30 times, right? Yeah. So uh, a lot of people on the background, in the background of the Opry are like my friends now. And it's really weird because the first time I did it, I mean, it it blew my mind. I mean, I love country music. I grew up um, listening to country music. I even went to the Opry once as a kid. And it's like, I know the history of that place. And it was just such an honor to be able to do it that I was like, well, I don't want to mess this up. And I don't want to, you know, ruin this opportunity. And uh, it's just, uh, there's nothing like it to me. I mean, it's like, even now after, you know, 30 times or so, it's still like you walk out on that stage and you're like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, it, it seats 4,000 people, uh, but still feels intimate somehow. Yeah. And, uh, it just, it's, it's a special place and it feels special every time. No doubt about it. And again, Dusty Slate here with us. So who makes you laugh? Who do you, who really breaks you up right now? Who's maybe somebody who's up and coming or somebody who's established that just kills you. I don't listen to as much comedy as I used to, but I mean, there's people that open for me that make me laugh. I mean, there's, uh, Alec Parent is a comic, Will O'Donnell, uh, Drew Harrison. These are all people that, uh, that, that open for me on the road and they really make me laugh. 
but I mean, old school guys that I really like, I mean, I, you know, I, I break it down with albums and it's like Mitch Hedberg has an album called, uh, strategic grill locations. And I love that yeah. album. Uh, Steve Martin has an album called let's get small. I love that album. Those, they really make me laugh, uh, a lot. I mean, I would say those two albums are my biggest kind of inspiration in comedy. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's the stuff I grew up on, too, and it's fantastic. So well, the new special is Working Man. It premieres tomorrow, January 16th, on Netflix. You can see it there. And where else can we find you? I know you've got web presences all over the place. Tell us where we can go to get the podcasts and find you online and find out where you're going to be when you're out on tour. Well, the Nate Land Podcast is everywhere, YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we're having a good time podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, but it's not on video. And I'm on everything, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and um, uh, TikTok, at Dusty Slay. Very easy to find me. YouTube, I have so much content on YouTube that you can watch. I have a, I have a full hour on YouTube that you can watch for free that will be completely different from the Netflix that's coming out on January 16th. Both fantastic, but on Netflix, that's my best uh, best stand-up I've ever put out, and I'm so excited for people to see it. Do that thing. It's working, man, and you can find them also at DustySlay.com. Dusty, what a pleasure having you back, man. It's great to talk to you, and thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Dana and Parks up next on 98.1 KMBZ. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.